I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. We are still on our second quarter of the year, this time lesson four, an everlasting covenant. Of course, we're looking at the covenant, God's everlasting right. covenant. In fact, that's the title, the promise, God's everlasting covenant. And this is the whole topic for this week is an everlasting covenant. So we're going to see how that plays out. Um, Pastor Howard, what are we kind of covering this week? What does that all that mean? You know, it's interesting. I don't know where this week's title came from. Because, yeah, and going over it, I don't see it drawn from a specific day. And, and, and the week's, like the week at a glance on Sabbath afternoon says, what is the name of God? What does it mean? What was the significance of the names God used to identify himself to Abram? What names did he use to identify himself? Why did God change Abram's name to Abraham? Like, what of that talks about the everlasting covenant? So I don't know if this was just a... Just threw the title in. It's like, well, you ever have work. one of those sermons where you don't know exactly what you're going to preach? A pastor taught me this years ago. Actually, it was a layperson who was, or Bible worker, who said, um, whenever I don't know what I'm going to speak on and the bulletin secretary is waiting, I just give them the title special message. <laughs> I mean, that's what everlasting covenant is. Well, it's a special message. We are message. talking about the covenants, okay. and it is the everlasting covenant that we're. So, anyway. Okay, well, that week at a glance that you just mentioned at the bottom of Sabbath afternoons, that's yeah. kind of the introduction to basically what's going to be covered this week, all the names of God and the significance yes. of those pieces and parts of the covenant. Yes. Okay. So then, let's have a word of prayer, and then you could walk us through from that springboard into the specifics, talking points of this week. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another opportunity to study your word. Thank you for these lessons. Thank you for the scripture, of course, that these lessons are merely a study guide to. And help us to be students of that word. Help us to be not only familiar with, but transformed by it so we can be members of your kingdom. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, our viewers are familiar with, we've talked about this many times, that typically Sabbath afternoon doesn't have a lot of content for the lesson itself. Right. It's kind of a diving board into a lesson. Friday is a summary. So really you have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And interestingly, this lesson spends Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday all on names. And then Wednesday, <laughs> Thursday on the covenant. So let's, let's get this again. If Sabbath afternoon is a introductory thing yes. that isn't really substantively connected. Then you have Fridays, usually a review. You have four days left. I mean, the five days left. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. And of those... Three I mean, days. Three of those are devoted to the names of God. So out of the five substantive yes. days of the week, three of them are devoted to the naming thing. I'm saying that to say we're not going to give it that same proportion of... Okay. I just wouldn't spend that much time. And I'll talk about why. So point number, talking point number one this week is that Bible names can communicate important truths. That's okay. almost as vague as I can make it because <laughs> I think some people attach too much significance to names. They almost make it like a puzzle and this mystic whatever reading mm -hmm. of the Bible. But there is some significance to Bible names. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, okay. Okay, um, and the lesson brings those things out. Number two, God always takes the initiative... Okay. We see that in the covenants, and we say that in the broader theme of salvation, which I just think is a key thing to understand. It bears repeating, even though yes. we've talked about it before. And then finally, number three, we are here's one of those talking points <laughs> that I've specifically worded it this way to mm -hmm. stir up the pure minds <laughs> of the saints. 
We are justified by works and not by faith only. Oh, Pastor and, Howard. And, and just before somebody calls me a heretic, you'll notice if you have the outline that that is in quotes because it's a direct quote from Scripture not taken out of context. Mm. Well, we're definitely going to spend some time in that one. And if you look at the so, outline, as we've kind of mentioned, the, the bulk of it isn't going to be the names of God stuff, even though there's a good material there. It's going to be probably weighted on the other uh, end yes. of it. Yeah. And, and, and I, should have, I should have put, I, I messed this up on, I've got to correct our handout. So the Bible names is Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Okay. Um, God always takes the initiative Wednesday, is where okay. I drew that from. And then Justified by Works, Not by Faith Only, I've drawn from Thursday and Friday's lesson. Okay. Well, let's go right into it then. Number one, Bible names can communicate important truth. And it starts going through the names of God. Right yes. before it gets to human names, it goes God's names. Okay, so I want to refer our, our uh, viewers to Sunday's lesson, third paragraph down. It says, when God first entered into a covenant relationship with Abram, he made himself known to the patriarch under the name YHWH, pronounced Yahweh, and translated as L-O-R-D in capitals in the King James Version, also in the New King James Version. And I didn't go through and check all the... A number of versions, when you yeah, read L-O-R-D in all capitals, what you have behind that is what scholars call the tetragrammaton. That's just Greek for four letters. Because when they wrote when, when they wrote in the Hebrew Bible, when they wrote down the name of God, they considered it so sacred, they excluded the vowels. So all you have is Y-H-W-H. Mm -hmm. Now the lesson says it's pronounced Yahweh, and, and I take a little, I don't want to say I take issue with that, but you just need to understand that this is going to be a debate until the Lord comes. I'm going to tell you, is it pronounced Y-H-W-H? Now, first of all, it doesn't have vowels, so you have to add in the vowels. And that's conjecture because we don't have a, a definite on how to mm -hmm. do that. And then you have to ask yourself, is the Y pronounced Y, and mm -hmm. is the W pronounced W? And then you add the vowels, and then you come up with Yahweh. Or is the Y pronounced J, and is the W pronounced V, and you add the vowels and come up with Jehovah. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses say there's only one proper name for God, and it's Jehovah. They take it from the same place. So my mm -hmm. point is, there's, there's contention, and there always will be, because all we have is the four letters. Well, and we've talked about this before, too, and I don't want to jump ahead of anything in this lesson here, but when we talk about the name of God, remember when he talked about when, when God was asked to reveal his glory, and he said, mm -hmm. oh, I'm a goodness, and I'll pronounce yes. my name in front of you, and I'll yes. proclaim my name. Well, he doesn't say syllables and consonants and, and, and vowels and all this kind of... He talks about his character's goodness. Right. The, the significance of the name of God is not the lettering or the pronunciation. That's it's right. what it means, the significance. If it was, and I've had this discussion with some of our Jehovah's Witness brothers mm. and sisters, if it was this, if that was the significance, why didn't God just include the vowels? Yeah. Right? I mean, that which is revealed is for us and our children. If God didn't reveal it, like, this is so right. important to If he said him, the name of God is the significant thing, so what's I'm the name? He's like, you. I'm not going to tell you. It's like, well, what a cruel thing. So the takeaway from this, and I think the lesson makes this point, when God explains his name and, and to Moses, and Moses says, what do I tell the people? Who, mm -hmm. who do I tell them sent me? He says, I am that I am, or I am who I am, when you read in Exodus chapter 3. Mm -hmm. And Jesus 
brings this out in the Gospels, where I am the way, I am mm. the truth, I am the life, I am the door, I am the I am, I am, mm -hmm. I am. And even when the religious leaders came to him and he said, your father Abraham saw my day. And they said, how, can I, how could you say that? You're only, you haven't been 30 years old and how did he see your day? And he says, before Abraham was, I, I am. am. And he invokes that name. The name I am is an ever-present name. It's not past tense, it's not future tense, it's ever-present. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the point, the, the lesson applies because it doesn't just go with the Yahweh name, but on Monday it goes with the name El Shaddai. And if we go through Scripture, God goes by many names, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting <laughs> Father, we can go on and on, that when God chooses the name to identify Himself with in a given situation, it's generally tied to what qualities he's bringing into that situation. Mm -hmm. That's so, particular to the circumstance. The, the ever-present right. God speaking in a situation where you need an ever-present God, mm -hmm. or El Shaddai, and this is another one where the word is is drawn from, uh, it's generally translated as God Almighty, mm. and it speaks to the might and the power of God. So God's promising to, Ab to Abram, a man who is aging and his wife is barren and you're going to be a great nation and mm. I don't even have any kids yet, then talking about the all-powerfulness of God. Well, and, and I don't want to skip ahead to next week's, but I'll give you a little foreshadowing. In the next lesson, they're going to have a day talking about where God says, I am your shield. Well, again, that's I am. And what he needed to hear at that time was the shield yes. and protecting power of God. And, and the, 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 he's going to be the one sustaining him through all this. So again, to your point that God... When he speaks, he, there's not just a single name that he says, this is the all, the end all be all of my right. name, but this is like conveying the eternal quality, the protective quality, the redeeming quality, the watch care, right. whatever, and God speaks to us. And the lesson brings this out in this lesson in relatable terms. He wants to be in relationship with us. So he ties it to the circumstance of the audience. That's right. And so my talking point here that I've, Bible names can communicate important truths. I don't want to tie too much importance to that because before I ever studied names of the Bible, I still learned a lot and got a lot of inspiration <laughs> and hope out of the Bible. So sometimes yeah. like, no, you got to understand all this. But it is helpful to sure. know that that element of things and and then you when you look at names in the Bible it doesn't the lesson doesn't just stop with the names of God but it goes on and talks about name changes Abram's name was na changed right. to Abraham and in fact before I go there I wanted to bring up on Sunday's lesson it brings this point at the bottom of the page last paragraph on Sunday before you get into the shaded area it says Yahweh is also God's personal name uh, the identification of Yahweh as one who brought Abram out of Ur refers to the announcement of God's covenant with him, etc. Uh, and so it just speaks to uh, even how God identifies himself with Abram is speaking to the personal relationship God wants to have with Abram. Mm -hmm. So you've got that element of things in the names of God used in Scripture. Perfect. And then in the human names, sometimes you've got the names like Jacob, whose, mean, mm -hmm. whose name means a supplanter because of how he was born. And this and is then a Tuesday's lesson, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Uh, but then the name changed to Israel, or Abram, Abram's change, name changed to Abraham, um, mm -hmm. everlasting father to father of a multitude. Like the name change, the promise was included in the name change. So there's mm -hmm. that element of things mm -hmm. as well uh, that the lesson highlights, that sometimes God has brought about 
are given a person a name change in the New Testament. It speaks about that even in the book of Revelation. Well, and these are covenant terms because all this yeah. is inside the covenant. So God identifies himself at different times as with a different name, but maybe highlighting a different aspect of the covenant, you know, deal. Mm -hmm. And then when Abram becomes Abraham, that's a covenantal change. You know, you think of Jacob and Israel, that's inside of this covenant. So we're modifying not the terms of the covenants, but uh, uh, I don't know what the, how you want to explain it, but God speaks to people uh, at different times in their experience with the covenant and addresses them differently as they progress or as their transformation. And that That's transformation right. of character is one of the very core elements of the covenant. That's right. And this name change is an indicator of that transformation. If you do a study on names in the Bible, you'll find they're linked to character, characteristics, yes. personal character. and. You know, Sunday's lesson, or Tuesday's lesson, rather, makes an interesting point. Third paragraph, about halfway through, well, thir two-thirds two of the way through, says, In the same way, by giving people certain names or changing their names, it seems possible to influence how they would view themselves and thus mm. influence how they would act. It talks about how sometimes you call somebody stupid enough or ugly mm. enough, they start thinking of themselves that way. Mm. So part of the name change may be God trying to inspire hope in a person <laughs> that I've created you to be more than what you are, which is kind of a powerful idea. So, yeah. Well, we talked about even Gideon, he didn't change his right. name, but he's he's down in the threshing floor hiding, hiding from the from enemy. The he's enemy. like mighty man of valor, you know, warrior True. for God. He's like True. me. He's like, no, that's you. And so God got his fun right. that way. Absolutely. So, you know, some helpful things in studying the names of scripture as you're going through your study, uh, they can bring out, you know, some real gems of truth. Now, moving to the second point, God takes, always takes the initiative in Wednesday's lesson, it talks about the three, the covenant stages. And this is one of those things where, I'm just giving my opinion here. This comes from Dr. Hazel. I can understand and appreciate it. He talks about how the, the covenant was given to Abraham in stages. First Genesis 12, then Genesis 15, then Genesis 17. Uh, I've never even thought of it in the, those terms as much as I've known the story, and it hasn't diminished my appreciation of the covenant. Right. So it's another way of looking at it. And I think there's some helpful things about it. Sure. it. One of the things that you see in it is a progression of Abraham's growth, mm -hmm. right? God first comes to, and we're going to talk about that in the story. So um, as we review the story of Abraham, but within those three stages, when God first appeared in Genesis 12, and then again, God appeared to him in Genesis 15, and then again in Genesis 17, um, and of course, God appeared to him again when he asked him to, to Sorry, sacrifice dog, yeah, yeah. Isaac. But um, th there are three qualities in each one of those experiences. It's brought out in the middle of Wednesday's lesson. I also put it in, a, in the uh, outline. Three steps in each one of those appearances, those stages. Mm -hmm. The first is the approach of God to man. In every one of those steps, God approaches Abram. Mm -hmm. And then the call to human obedience, God calls him to obedience, and then the divine promise, I will do thus and so for you. Mm -hmm. And the takeaway to me personally, and I just, this is in my own Christian experience, it was one of the most important things for me to learn, because um, that important thing is that God takes the initiative. When I first became a Christian, I had the idea, and I think this is just part of the carnal heart, 
that, that it's, it's natural for us, for fallen humanity, to think you've got to work your way to heaven or earn your, into, earn your way mm-hmm. into God's favor, and that you've got to take the initiative. Like, okay, God, look, here I am, and I'm going to start. I know I've been living a bad life, but I'm going to start doing good stuff, and hopefully you recognize me down here. And that mm-hmm. There's this mindset that I've got to get his attention. We see it with the prophets of Baal, mm-hmm. right? And they're yeah. dancing around the altar. What are they trying to do? They're trying get to get attention. God's attention. Yeah. And you'll find that every pagan religion as well as paganized Christianity Mercy. does that. It, 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 man takes the initiative. You mm. have got to get your God's attention. And that's why when Elijah, you notice when he provoked the prophets of Baal, mm-hmm. and he said, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe, yeah. gonna, maybe you guys need to vacation. shout yeah. louder. Yeah. Yeah. You notice how they didn't respond. No, they did, they weren't angry at that. They thing. didn't say, "What do you mean? Our God loves us. Our God get." They're like, "No, He's got a good idea." Well, exactly, should... and that's when they went even further and started cutting themselves and screaming exactly. and leaping. Yeah. So that's a mindset and false religion. The only religion where the God takes the initiative hmm. is Bible Christianity, and it's a powerful thing. Yeah. Like before we ever even wanted to be saved. God took the initiative to save. And this is why Paul says in Romans, how much more now that you have any desire to be saved, can you have confidence that God will save you? Mm-hmm. So and that's a beautiful thing. So in all these eras of the covenant, whether it's way back with in the very beginning, and I will put enmity, right? Or if it's you know Noah, as we talked about that's before, right. or now Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the whole lineage of the children of Israel. It's always... Then the Lord said to, and the Lord came to, That's and the right. Lord appeared. So it, it doesn't say like, and they put on some special thing, and he, they, you know, called the Lord down, and he, he broke his. The Lord is the one taking the initiative and setting forth, you know, here the approach to man. That's yes. always never man to God; it's always God to man. And the second is true: the call to human obedience. Man's response to that is not like, "I've got an idea. How about I pledge my obedience." Right. No, God's like, and the second thing I'm going to do is call you to That's obedience. Right. Yeah. So, in fact, we have one of man's ideas coming up in the exactly, and it's always plan. a bad idea. <laughs> and what's interesting is, even when God made the covenant with Israel and they broke the covenant, it wasn't them who said, "Sorry, we broke it. What do we do?" Mm-hmm. God took the initiative to come seek them out, mm-hmm. just like Adam and Eve in the garden. Where are you? It wasn't Adam looking for God. Mm-hmm. Always God takes the initiative. And, and the importance in that for us to understand is never feel that you are too far from God. Like, Amen. well, I've got a God is taking the initiative. If you're even thinking that, like, I'm thinking I'm too far, there's nothing in the carnal heart that even desires God. Right. The fact so, that you feel you could be in trouble tells you that God that is working even on your heart. Thinking to bring about it to your God mind. in yeah. positive terms, yeah. wanting to have a relationship with Him, wanting to be, yeah. is an evidence that God has taken that initiative Amen. to call you. So that's that's at the foundation of Christianity mm-hmm. that God always takes the initiative. Now, that kind of will flow into our last talking point, and, and probably take the most time with this here. Are we? I'm sorry. We are justified by works and not by faith only. Now that comes from the book of James, which yes. is not in the lesson. I want to read it because it, the context of that, that text, is in the story that we're talking about with Abraham. Well, and, and as we're looking this up in James, um, you mentioned the point that this could seem like not just potentially controversial, it could be like catastrophically <laughs> like, so. Not seem, we know that yeah. this passage, let's look at the passage. Well, I'm saying, we'll even if, if you took those little quotes off and you just said like like it was your w- words, people would say, that's the, that is right. textbook legalism. They'd be calling the GC on me and saying, right. get this guy yeah. out. But it comes but from it Scripture. it says in verse, James chapter 2, two Verse 24. Yes, 24. Go ahead. It says, You see then 
which precludes we have to look at what we're seeing to understand this. But the takeaway is you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. So in order to get to that Mm -hmm. concluding statement, you kind of understand what he was trying to say in context. And so he builds on the story of Abraham, and of course he's building on his audience's understanding of it. So for our our audience who doesn't understand as much of the story, just a quick run through. We've already looked at a number of these things in the lesson. In Genesis 12, God gave Abraham the first Abram, the first call out yes. of Ur of the Chaldees, mm-hmm. right? Now, He's 75 stage, years old, go out from your household, right. yeah. Says, I'm going to make you a great nation, great, okay? okay? Incidentally, his wife is barren at the time, can't have kids, but that's it's, it's earlier on, yeah. 75, yeah. right? You're just a kid. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a kid. <laughs> Ten years later, the Bible tells us, mm-hmm. you come down to G- Genesis chapter 15, mm-hmm. and Abram still doesn't have... Now, God acts like nothing, you know, I made the promise, it still stands... We're 10 years later, goes to Abram, says, hey, come outside, look at all the stars. Your descendants are going to be like those yeah. stars. As if nothing skipped a beat. And Abram's like, uh, Lord, listen, it's been 10 years. Mm-hmm. And the only person I even have in my house that, that I could call a kid is a slave. And he's really not my kid. How am I going to be great? Right Which is interesting because why would he even bring that name up if he's already been thinking of a backup plan? Yeah. Like, well, I guess technically a loophole, <laughs> we could make it legally yeah. binding so that, but it's not really a son. And so so he's already got those, it's been 10 right. years, he's got those thoughts of doubt, he's making his backup plan. That's and right. And God's like, no, no, this is going to be like I said. And then, of course, Abram, Abram's like, how am I going to know? How do I know this is from you? And God says, how do I know you're going to fulfill this? And so what the Lord does, and this was puzzling for, to me for quite a while, just not understanding the cu- ancient customs, and we've touched on it already, yes. I think, at a talking point, that it was customary in those days when people made covenants to take a, an, a sacrificial animal and cut it in half from head to tail, Mm -hmm. in two parts, and walk between the pieces, both people entering into the covenant. And what you were doing was you were pledging your own self to be cut in half Mm -hmm. in the event that you didn't fulfill your end of the deal. And so God condescends to enter into this humanistic-ish covenant Mm -hmm. with Abraham. I don't know if that's a word or not. But it's definitely a striking illustration of the solemnity and significance of this. He's like, I'm serious. I'm this serious. I'm not just saying words here. So God affirms that covenant promise to Abraham in Genesis Genesis 15. 15. Well, then you come into Genesis 16, and Sarah's... Abraham's wife, Sarai, Sarah, I don't know if she's Sarah, she's Sarah. She, no, she's still Sarai because that doesn't happen until right. 17. And and says, hey, I've got an idea. Listen, God said it would be your child, not necessarily my child, and concocts his plan with her slave girl so that Abram would go into her slave girl, Hagar, mm-hmm. impregnate her, have a child, and then that would be the child of promise. <laughs> and so they do, and the child is Ishmael, and Ishmael is born. And God comes back to Abram, but not when Ishmael is That's right, not as an infant or a toddler or even, you know, he's at least, you know, entering his teenage years yes. now. And so about the time he would start like, all right, it's time to be a man and, and accountable. And right. now we're going to give the inheritance over. And God then shows up in Genesis 17. By the way. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> Abram. And it's interesting, the progression. I'm going to give you a child. Genesis 15, he's looking for that, like non-heir loophole with Eliezer. Yes. Genesis 16, he's like, well, how what if we do a half-son? What if we do, you know, mm-hmm. a, a half-promised child? And he's like, no, that's only half-faith is no faith, yes. right? And he shows up and he said, I told you it's going to be your child. I've said this from the very that's beginning. Right. I'm going to make a great nation, not through a well, loophole. Yeah. It's interesting that when he does show up, he doesn't go into that yet. He just says, 
Abraham, I'm here again. Abram, I'm here again to tell you you're going to be father of a great nation. Only now, Abram's like, uh, yeah, I know that because of Ishmael. Yeah. You know? And then God starts talking about this, and it's very evident halfway through the conversation. Abram says, oh, Lord, that Ishmael may live before you. Like, we've worked well, this interestingly, out. Well, interestingly, it's when the Lord institutes circumcision. That's exactly And then he's like, well, I can't, I can't. He's like, no, 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 no. You've clearly demonstrated a lack of faith in every right. way you've tried to come up with some out. He's like, I need to give a sign in the flesh. And this is directly and related to, you know, the procreation promise that I've That's made. That's exactly right. And, and it, it, Abraham begs, oh, please let Ishmael. We've already got a People son. People wonder about circumcision. It's like, why do we, and, you know, I don't even want to yeah. talk about that. You know, I need to, we, we go over that in the Bible. My, my daughter's like, I don't want to talk about circumcision. <laughs> yeah. But there is a reason that yeah. it was associated with that yes, part the process, of his body. Yes. The yeah. process of it had directly to do, we're told in both scripture and in the writings of Ellen White, that that circumcision was not God's initial plan. Right. And so, it you know, people a, talk about circumcision in the New Testament. They're like, well, it has to be. We've got to have circumcision. And yeah. in, in the New Testament church, they realize, wait a minute, God was talking to Abram way before he was circumcised. In fact, Genesis 12, there's no mention of it in the beginning of it. And so it can go away in the New Testament because it wasn't part That's of the original right. ideal anyway. That's right. It's fascinating. But So God gives Abram this and reiterates the promise. Yes. And, and Abram argues for Ishmael. But the point is that Ishmael was man's attempt to fulfill God's promise, which has huge significance yes. in this whole And equation. the New Testament picks it up. We don't have time to go into That's it. Right. Paul uses that as the metaphor for faith versus works. That's exactly know? right. And so he gives the, the right of circumcision makes the promise again. Now, Abram has to do a very difficult thing, and that is he has to send Ishmael away Oof. in the context of that story. And then uh, Isaac is born, and then the final test is that God, after so everything, his whole life, his whole call from God and everything culminated now in Isaac. And Isaac is all that's left, and then God says, I want you to sacrifice him up. That's crazy. And so, yeah. and Abraham unquestioningly obeys. Mm. Now we come back to James 2. And this is where this is so absolutely powerful. James, this is the context James is talking in. He says in verse 21, Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Notice he specifically, he specifies a time when this happened. Um, was he not justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Now he's about to Paul quote um, where the scripture in Genesis says that Abraham was justified by faith. Yeah. He believed in, in, the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. In Genesis 15, when God showed him all the stars, mm -hmm. it says Abraham was justified by faith. James acknowledges that. Yes, but, but what, he So also what he says, says is, was he not justified by works afterward? So in other words, the works don't take the place of the faith experience he already had. Notice where James goes. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, mm. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You so, see then that a man yeah. is justified by works, not by faith only. In Genesis 15, the promise is proclaimed. And That's in right. Genesis 5, 22, according to James, the promise is fulfilled. That's right. Right. And the idea being, because in Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, after he's willing to sacrifice Isaac, the Lord says, Do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, 
since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And so James takes that and says, he was accounted as righteous earlier on, but there was still a growth in grace until mm -hmm. he can stand and actually fulfill the promise with his actions. He had to choose. And yes. that's So first of all, the lesson makes a great point on Thursday. This is what the lesson is talking about Thursday when it talks about covenant obligations. I just used mm -hmm. this loaded James text to get us thinking a little bit further about it. But the, the lesson says, um, First two paragraphs, as we have seen so far, the covenant is always a covenant of grace, of God doing for us what we could never do for ourselves. So it was with Abraham, no different. There is no exception, he says, in the covenant of, or the lesson says, in the covenant with Abraham. In his grace, God had chosen Abraham as his instrument to assist in the proclaiming the plan of salvation to the world. God's fulfillment of his covenant promises was, however, linked to Abraham's willingness to do righteously and to obey him by faith. Without obedience on Abraham's part, God could not use him. And so the point is, and, and I think, you know, the Bible tells us by grace you have been saved, but it says by grace you've been saved through faith. Mm -hmm. that not, of your, not of works that any man should boast, etc. Faith has to work with the grace of God. And so, I noted here in our lesson that it is the grace of God that invites us. It's the grace of God that initiates a faith response in us. Mm -hmm. It's the grace of God that empowers obedience. Mm -hmm. And finally, the grace of God that fulfills to us God's promises. But God's grace will never substitute for our choice. God's, mm -hmm. it, we, we, we say this all the time. God is not going to force us to obey him. So as much as in his grace God takes the initiative and everything else, mm -hmm. James's point and the lesson's point and the point that we need to get clear is unless we choose to obey, that's our faith response. Right. The covenant can't be fulfilled to us. Yeah. One one author puts it this way. He says, uh, uh, while works aren't the cause of our salvation, they are the necessary condition of salvation, right? That that. God doesn't say, all right, you work your way on up, and when you're good enough, I'll take you. He says, mm -hmm. I promised and I pledged to take you, but it's going to be a partnership, and you have to step out in faith and not just have faith, but That's exercise right. faith, right? And this is such an important topic. I'm, there's a statement here that I included, just a piece of Great Controversy 425. It says, Ellen White says, through the grace of God, speaking of the people in the last days, right. through the grace of God and their own diligent effort, they must be conquerors in the battle with evil. And mm. I mean, I've heard the boo, hiss, Ellen White, she's <laughs> off, she doesn't understand righteousness by faith, grace of God plus their works. That's mm. not what she's saying. Her point is the same thing James and is saying, the James same thing that, that. That's, that this whole story conveys to us, that man has to have a response. God's not going to force man's response. And the reason mm. I say that is, if you're reading the Bible and you read a passage like this in James, and, it, and, 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 and you want to throw it out, and you read a passage like this, a, a quote like this by Ellen White, the great, and you don't, and you want to throw it out because it doesn't fit with your idea of justification by faith. Mercy. You've got a faulty idea of justification if you, by faith. But, if scripture, if it doesn't come in harmony, if scripture challenges your justification by faith picture, you don't have the justification by faith picture. Amen. Well, that goes with almost any other thing too. That's it's like exactly if, if, right. Because I've had some dealings in recent times where people have said, like, I know scripture says, but I think it's like, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> if you're getting to the point that inspiration needs to be corrected by your understanding, it's your understanding yes. that's off. Mercy. But a proper understanding of this will show that it's always God's grace, even as we need to yes. respond to it. It's God's grace that gives us the ability to respond. Mm. So, having said all that, there's a, fa That's a, the, a, a statement. Yeah. Uh, why don't you read that from uh, uh, Second my, uh, Mind Character Personality? There yeah, page 691 says, As soon as we incline our will to harmonize with God's will, the grace of Christ stands to cooperate with the human agent. 
but it will not be the substitute to do our work independent of our resolving and decidedly acting. It's just another way of saying God's not going to force us. Right. Therefore, it is not the abundance of light or evidence piled upon evidence that will convert the soul. It is only the human agent accepting the light, arousing the energies of the will, realizing and acknowledging that which he knows is righteousness and truth, and thus cooperating with the heavenly ministrations appointed to God in the saving of Mm. the soul. Powerful statement. Mm. Fantastic. So our summary says on Friday, God called Abraham into a special relationship with him. He used his personal name, Yahweh, El Shaddai, speaking of his power. One, that relationship that would reveal the plan of salvation to the world through Abraham. We're going to see more of that as we go on throughout our early. Powerful stuff this week. I anticipate great local Sabbath school discussions and anticipate? studies. Anticipate? So, Is that a word? Well, we're going to anticipate <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. But before we go, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you again so much for the opportunity to study. Thank you for your word and thank you for its application in our lives today. Help this, Lord, not to be mere theory but help us to really put into practice these lessons that you've taught us today. So Lord, please help us to continue that covenant experience even now that we can be your people and soon and very soon be part of your kingdom in heaven. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.